Hi, Bridgeway family. Man, it is so good to see you. I feel like I've been gone a little bit, but honestly, I've been around the entire time. I love just spending some time with you, and we have a great message for you today, and we're going to be in God's Word once again. This is the year of, what, 2020, the year of connecting, and we need an awful lot of that right about now. So I'm so excited to spend a little bit of time with you. Hopefully, everyone's gathered together, and let's really get into the Word. Now, each week, we are highlighting through the book of Ephesians why connection with God and with each other really, really matters. Now, half the book of Ephesians is really about that vertical relationship with the Lord, and then half of it is actually horizontal relationships amongst church members and the people around you. So let me just lead you into the fill in the blank with a couple quick thoughts. First one, when we connect with God, we connect with his people his family. There is no such thing as a healthy, isolated believer. Now, once again, we are all somewhat isolated. Yet, I get that. But what I'm saying is just emotionally, connection-wise, relationally, there is no healthy, isolated Christian. We are part of a family. Christianity is communal by definition. It's a shared faith. It is a group issue as well as a belief system, right? So uh, it is relational at its core. Christianity is communal and it is relational. Uh, it's not merely intellectual. It's not simply another charitable organization. It's relationships with God and his people. Right from the get-go, God said about Adam, it is not good for man to be alone, and he created Eve. That meant another person was coming in. Being alone, not good. Someone else in there, that is good. Therefore, let me give you that fill in the blank, or maybe you're just taking some notes at home. You might want to write this down. Connection means purposeful community. Connection means purposeful community. Now, I know that not all of you are memorizing Ephesians, right? Like some of us have to, but let me recap on what we have done so far in this series, kind of bring you up to speed, especially if you're brand new. It's sure fun to have you with us. All right, so Paul started talking in this book called Ephesians. He talked to the Ephesus church, and he talked about how blessed we are as the children of God, that we are chosen by God personally, that he had us in mind before the world began, that he put a plan into motion to make sure that we were going to be adopted by him, that we were made brand new, that we are redeemed, that we are rescued from our sins, that we've been forgiven for what we have done wrong, that we've been given insight into what God's up to through the Bible, that we have been promised a glorious future, and we've been given the Holy Spirit to walk with us every day, empowering us and guiding us. Then all of a sudden in verses 15 through 21 is one long, passionate, crazy sentence that Paul is revealing all the amazing things that he is praying for the Ephesians about. So, for example, he said, I am praying that you would know God more and more, that your hope would grow more and more the more you know God, that we would know how overly blessed that we are as children of God, that we would fathom the intense power that he uses to bless his kids the same exact power, he says, that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and made him the ruling king 
of all, above everything in existence. Now, last week, that's what Pastor Brian was sharing with us. And so we already know a lot about that. I don't want to get too far into that. But where we're at right now is that while we're talking about the authority of Christ, it's right here that he talks about that the glory of the Father was to raise the Son up and then this is what happens. If you have a Bible, you can turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. We're just going to be going through chapter, 20, uh, chapter 1, 22, and 23, just two verses, right? It says this, And he put all things under Christ's feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fulfillment of him who fills all in all. How about we just take some time to pray about the word? Maybe you can bow your head and close your eyes with me. Uh, Heavenly Father, you have shown us great and glorious things. Even now, as we open up your word, you're going to be transforming us in the process. We pray, Lord, that our hearts would be soft, that our minds would be ready to engage with you, and Lord Jesus, that we might be transformed by everything that you have to say. Lord, make it practical for us so we might be different men and women of God. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we pray. Amen. All right, so let's get into this. In those two verses that I just read, there's actually four things that Paul lays out. Let me just tell you real quick. Number one, God put all things under Jesus' feet. Number two, God gave Christ to the church. Number three, the church is the body of Christ. And then number four, the church is the fullness of God who fills all in all, whatever that means, right? So we're going to take them one by one and learn why it's important and what it means for us today. So let's start at the very beginning. Right there in verse 22, it says, and he, God, put all things under his, Christ's, feet. It's a quote actually from Psalm 8, 6. And here's the point, just as the first Adam, when we think of Adam and Eve, just as the first Adam was given everything in this world for him to be dominion over and that it was under his feet, so too is Jesus, the second Adam, the more perfect Adam, given everything under his feet to have dominion over. That's kind of the premise there. So what we learn and I don't want to belabor it because Pastor Brian said, did such a great job. What we learn is that Jesus is the supreme king of the universe. Amen? Jesus is the supreme king of the universe. It's his way every time, all the time. In other words, he's in charge. Anything he decides, anything that he determines will happen. No one or nothing can ever stop the plans of God. Now, the word used here where it puts it under his feet, it means forcibly. It means that everything is subject to him. But when it comes to the next phrase, talking about us, that language lightens up and it doesn't talk about us being subjugated. It talks about him, what? Being the head of us. So here's what it says. And gave him, God gave him as head over all things, that's Jesus, he gave him to us, the church. In other words, Jesus is the head 
of us. We've got a Jesus, our very own Jesus, our, our special one, where we are special to him. He interacts with us personally in ways he does not interact with the rest of the world. He protects differently, guides differently, loves differently, blesses differently. And I want you to know right now, if you're watching and you're like, man, that just sounds so elitist. The church is talking about how God's all for them. Hold on. The invitation to be part of the family of God is absolutely wide. God wants you to be part of the family of God too. It's not like I'm talking where it's just for Bridgeway or just for the churches. Now, God is calling you right now because he loves you so much. He's calling you into a relationship with him that you can begin right here, right now. So once again, when we're talking about the blessings of being a child of God, that goes out to you too. If you would call out to God and say, Lord, I wanna be one of yours as well. Now, going back to this passage, it says that Jesus is the head of the church, just like he's head over all things, he's the head of the church. Now, that can be taken in two ways, I would suggest to you. It's actually both. Number one, head can mean source. All life is found in God. So any life coming through the church, anything that a Christian has that is life-giving, that actually all comes directly from Jesus Christ. So he is our source, but he's also, in a second way, our authority. That means that he calls the shots, that obedience is our job, right? His job is to tell us what to do. Our job is just to carry it through. Now then, this is where we get into the meat of it. The next phrase right there in verse 23 at the beginning, it says that the church is his body. Y'all remember a church is not a building. Doesn't matter whether or not we're scattered out all over the place, we are the family, we are the body of Christ because the church is God's people. Let me get into this a little bit. It's, it's weird to hear the, about body and the head, but it's not rocket science, it's, it's pretty simple. We do for him what he wants to do, that's it. We carry it out. The Bible says that we are partakers of the divine nature. What does that mean? It means that we, when we connect in with Jesus, we actually fuse together to create one new entity that his blessing, his power, is all coursing into us and through us. That is so beautiful. I don't even have time to tell you how amazing that really is. So let's get to the, the matter right here at heart. We are the body of Christ. Now, Paul is going to talk a lot more about that. And I'm about to read something really long here, so I'm gonna give you a chance to catch up with me. Can you turn in your Bibles, if you got one? Maybe fire up an app on your phone. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 31. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 31. I'm gonna give you a second to grab that because I think it's really important. Paul wants us all to understand this concept that Jesus Christ is the thinking lead, we are the carrying out function. He's the head, we are the body. All right, so he's gonna talk a little bit more about this, about how the church is made up right here in 1 Corinthians 12. Let me read this. For just as the body is one and has many members, meaning our physical bodies, there's one body, but we have a lot of different limbs and parts and pieces, and all the members of a human body, though many are one body still, so it is with Jesus Christ. Verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member, 
but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that wouldn't make it any less a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, they're not any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, the Bible says, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow great honor and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. It says this, our more presentable parts don't require that, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that all members may have the same care for one another. That's powerful because so many of us think of comparing that we are less than. God spe takes special time through Paul to remind us that just because you don't have the flashier role does not mean there's any less value there, right? It says this, if one member suffers, all members suffers. There's something wrong with my arm, my whole body's gonna feel it. Something wrong with my knee, my whole body's gonna feel it, right? If one member is honored, all rejoice together. We're in this together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church, he said, when I'm gonna structure it out, just like the body has organization, the, God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. He said, we're all different, we all have a role. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Is everyone a teacher? No. Do we all work miracles? No. Do all possess gifts of healing? No. Do all speak in tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. But earnestly desire the greater gifts. He goes off into that whole discussion about gifts. But we gotta pause right here because our main focus is this. We, in all of our various ways, are the beautiful body of Christ. Every single one of us matter, and he is our head. He gets to tell us what to do. Now, this is really important. If he's the head, then all the rest of the body is equal. He's the only one that stands apart. Now, let's be honest about this, that so far in science, we have had an awful lot of transplants. I mean, we've had everything from face grafts to heart transplants. There's no head transplants going on. Y'all following me, right? I mean, now, if I got a head transplant, it would probably be uh, Chris Hemsworth. Just trying to say maybe, you know, I don't know, Chris Pratt. All I'm saying is that somebody with a Chris name. Anyway, if, if, if I put a new head on my body, I would not be me. Like, if we do a brain transplant, I'm not me anymore. Jesus is the head. Jesus is the one that you just cannot transfer. But all the rest of us, no matter what our gifting is, no matter, no matter what our ability is, no matter how flashy it is or quiet it is, we are all one in Jesus Christ. We are all equal and that is so important for us to understand because too often we're trying to compare ourselves to one another and try to one-up one another and try to say, well, this is more important than that. Jesus is the one that gets the glory. We are all just members of his body. 
I'll give you another example. I'm the senior pastor here at this church. That means that I have authority because it was given to me by the church, but it doesn't mean I'm any better than anyone else. It doesn't mean I'm on a different level than anyone. We're all in this together. If Jesus is the head, then anyone else in the church isn't the ultimate authority. Does that make sense? All right. Let's go on to that last and final passage. Uh, verse 23, the end of that. It says that we are the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, I looked up a billion commentaries on this, and to be honest with you, they're all like, yeah, I don't know what he's talking about. This is crazy. They were talking about pleroma is the Greek word and blah, blah, blah. Here's the reality. Nobody fully knows because it's complicated in Greek, but there are a couple very valuable pieces they all agree on, and I want to share those with you real quick. Here's a better translation of it that we are the fullness of that which is being constantly and totally filled. What does that mean? God totally fills Christ. Christ pours fully into the church so that the church would have everything we need that we would be filled to the fullest, but it goes both ways. The Bible honors the body of Christ as being critically important. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that for whatever reason, in whatever amazing, magnificent way, Jesus Christ doesn't want to consider himself complete without his church. That I think sometimes we think about the church and people not being that big of a deal. I, I just need you to know, God thinks we are a big deal. He made us a big deal. Now, could he live without us? Sure but he doesn't want to. And that's this amazing part, right? Which is what? The Bible says that we fulfill Christ, that Christ says, you know what? I want them with me so much. I am so interlinked with them. I don't wanna be full without them. Do I fill them? Yeah, absolutely I do. But I don't wanna be without them. Now, the purpose of our weekend services, right? Here at Bridgeway, is that we would take a break from the normal pace of life, right? Get together, we would refocus, we would worship together, and we would get inspired, and that we get trained to get out there and be the church. Do you understand that a pandemic doesn't stop the church? Jesus isn't stopped, the Holy Spirit isn't stopped. There is still so much going on He's doing so many incredible miracles and movements. As a matter of fact, this is a time when he shines. And if God is at work, he is moving through his people. In any way, the church is now on. We are not stopped from being a church. We are engaged as being a church. Christ has given us everything we need and more. So we need to go through all of our healthy channels of communication. That means texting people, loving on people, calling people, Zoom on the computer. I mean, everything, whatever social media we have, we have beautiful outlets and channels of communication to still be the church. Our job is to go out and transform the world around us. I would just tell you this, God is good. God is active. God is alive. Now, let's make this whole thing a little bit more practical. If we are the body, 
then everything that happens to us reflects on Jesus. In no way has he abandoned us, in no way has he left us on our own. As a matter of fact, I remember hearing this one phrase many years ago, I never forgot about it, and it was this, the condition of the sheep reflects more on the shepherd than it does on the sheep. If you were driving down the road and you came across a field, and in that field there were a whole bunch of sheep and they were malnourished and they were struggling, would you feel like, man, those sheep aren't taking care of themselves? Of course you wouldn't. You'd think what? Man, who's the owner of that? Well, I wanna tell you right now, God is so interested in what's going on with his people. He has not abandoned us, he has not let us go. And even though we face difficult times and we face challenges and different things about finances begin to drop out or this hurts or this is bad or this is sickness, just remember, we are so loved by Christ that he takes a vast interest in everything that happens in our lives. He is watching us at all times. He's moving in our lives, through our lives at all times. Please don't ever feel alone or abandoned. Now I wanna go back to one more thing that I said as I kinda of wrap up this portion of our service, and that is this. There are some of you perhaps watching for the very first time. You've never been to Bridgeway, and this whole thing is just the only way you know it. Well, I gotta tell you, it's super exciting when we are all in the same room, there's a thousand of us together, and, and we are going ballistic and worshiping everything. But here's the deal, in this moment, God is calling out to you and telling you that you are precious, you are important. If you have never been a part of a church, if you've never been a part of a community, if you've never had an opportunity to let God's love soak down into your heart, I wanna give you that opportunity right now. And that is simply this. You call out to the Lord and say, God, I don't know everything about you. I just know that the way things are going, I don't have a plan for my afterlife, man. I don't even have a plan for this life. God, I'm sorry for what I've done in separating away from you. I know you love me. Please forgive me of what I've done. Please be the king of my life so that we could have that relationship that I'm hearing so much about. May all your blessings of the Bible, Lord, fall upon me. May I be renewed from the inside out. Make me born again into your family that I surrender my heart and my life to you, that I could have all those blessings as well. Now, if you pray that and you believe that deep in your heart and you are directed towards him, he can do all the rest. He does all the heavy lifting. Now, to our family that indeed you already call yourselves believers and Christians, this is our time. This is our time to be the church. This is our time to get out there and do something. This is our chance to be praying for people and praying breakthrough and doing exciting ministry. I know it feels a little bit different how we normally do it, but maybe that's an exciting opportunity. Maybe this is the time that we actually get to be who God built us and designed us to be. Remember, you and I are not doing it alone. We are the body of Christ. Therefore, his power is coursing through us. The Holy Spirit is with us at all times. The ministry that you are doing is supernaturally empowered. I want you to walk with confidence. I want you to walk with excitement and anticipation and joy because we've never been the church more than we are right now. 
I love you all. I'm just going to close us out in prayer, and I'm just going to bless you as you go on about your week. Heavenly Father, how beautiful and glorious you are. That you have great plans for us, and in this moment, you are moving like never before. God, we pray healing and peace over us. We pray empowerment, Lord, that we might be able to minister to our neighbors, that we might be able to love on those that don't have enough. That, God, that we would be generous, that we would be caring, that we would be compassionate and kind. That, Jesus, if you were here right in our skin, in our situation, that we would do what you would do. Heavenly Father, we are asking for your beautiful perspective to come over our eyes and that we might be everything you've designed us to be. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next time.